0: This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. O Father God, I ask that you would grant unto us a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Lord, would you infuse us with your joy? Would your delight um, in us and in your church be manifest among us this day to the praise of your glory. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I am tempted to ask, are we having fun yet? (laughs) That wasn't all that enthusiastic, but not bad. Um, I I ask that question because, of course, today, in the ordination of two deacons and a priest, we are Entering it is something that's quite solemn, something that is quite serious, something that should not be entered into uh, recklessly in any way, shape, or form. So there's a solemnity to what we are doing. But there is a joy to what we are doing. It is always, it is always a reminder and a proclamation of the presence of the God, of God in his church through jesus christ and by the power of the holy spirit that people offer themselves for ordination and that the church ordains them it is a reminder that the mission of the gospel regardless of what people might think the mission of the gospel is not dead it is still alive the mission of the church continues today is a solemn day but of course it's a joyful day and on this solemn and joyful day sort of my job in some senses, to is to communicate some things to Wes and to Mike and to Greg that I think are important. And there are a lot of things that were read in our scriptures about sort of managing your household well and being ready and set to go. And all of those things are good things. They are in the scriptures. Heed them and pay attention. But as I was preparing for today, I asked myself, what is the most important thing? And I'm reminded of what the Lord said, what Jesus said, when a Pharisee asked him, what is the most important law? And Jesus said this, this is from Matthew chapter 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And I would suggest to you, Wes and Mike and Greg, that all the law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. But so does all of your ministry. All of your ministry depends on these two commandments love the lord your god and love your neighbor as yourself well jesus begins and says you shall love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind in another place he mentions also all your strength this is a love that is a whole person love it is a love that comes from our hearts our minds our souls our very bodies with our strength god is asking us to love Him with all that we are. Well, what does it mean? How do we know? How do we show? How do we understand that we are loving God? Because sometimes there isn't an immediate sensation that we love God. He sometimes feels far away. Sometimes my affections are less than they should be. But Jesus says this in John chapter 14, 15. He says, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Obviously here, one of the demonstrations, one of the, one of the expressions of the fact that we love God is in the keeping of his commandments. Now, there is one way of hearing those words, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And that one way of hearing that is the keeping of his commandments, the good things that we do, um, is a demonstration or a proof of our love for God. It is in our obedience to God that we demonstrate that we love God. That is to say our good behavior is the proof. Well that's true but it has a nuance or can be interpreted in a way that I think is problematic. If you love me you will obey my commandments could be heard as if you loved me you would obey my commandments. Um, Which is in a sense sense that saying, if you're not obeying my commandments, what is your problem anyway? Get Get it together. It is fundamentally this difficult articulation. If you love me, you're going to obey my commandments. So what are you going to do? And I don't think that this is the intent of what Jesus is saying here mostly because that construction, if you blank, you blank, understood in that sort of, if you, would, you, if you did this, you would, biblically, that construction belongs to someone else. Satan says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, if you are who you say you are, turn these stones into bread. And you'll notice, if you are paying attention to that text at all, that Jesus does not turn the stones into bread to demonstrate, to prove that He is who He says He is. And indeed, those words, and this is just a tip for life, friends, when you hear those words, if you were really a Christian, you wouldn't do that, Um, remind yourselves who uses that construction in the Bible. It's Satan and not the Lord. Our obedience to his commandment is not first the proof of our love of God. I think there's something else going on here. What if instead of our obedience being the proof of our love to God, what if obedience to God is not the proof, but the fruit of our love of God? The sentence then, if you love me, you will obey, you'll keep my commandments, becomes a promise. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, keeping my commandments is the outcome, the fruit of that loving relationship. At the heart of this is an exhortation to not lose your love for God, because it is in that love and that union with God I'll say something more that's of course initiated by him that the fruit of obeying and keeping his commandments comes forward. It is like Psalm one blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. All that he does, in all that he does, he prospers. Here's this picture of being a tree that is rooted ultimately in the love of God and then from that love drawing forth the fruit of keeping commandments. And Jesus uses a similar metaphor when he talks about vine and being the vine and and us being the branches. The vine as we all know, does not produce grapes to prove that it is grafted into the, the the branch does not produce grapes to prove that it's grafted into the vine. The branch produces grapes because it is grafted into the vine. This is the reality of what Jesus is inviting us to: a love that changes us, a love that transform, that transforms us. Well, what do I need to do, you might ask? What do I need to do to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength? Well, here might follow um, a strict exhortation to pay attention to your spiritual disciplines, to your prayer, your solitude, your Sabbath, your generosity, your community, and the list goes on. And yes, please do attend to those things. But the most important thing that you can do in terms of loving the Lord your God is to believe the gospel. Believe that God actually loves you. Legitimately loves you. The Father sent Jesus the Son to eradicate the sin that is the wall between us and him. As the curtain was torn in the temple, it was torn in two. And he did this amazingly because he wants to know you. He wants to be with you, that you may enjoy him forever. That is the gospel. How shall you maintain your love for God? Remember the gospel. Believe the gospel. It is so easy for us to forget the gospel, that God loves us. I've spent many years doing one-on-one counseling work, often with Christian leaders, who are burnt out, frazzled, and not even sure they know God, much less love Him anymore. And almost always at the heart of the problem is they've forgotten that God loves them and sent Jesus for them. Believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. And we love God ultimately in the end because, as as John says in his first epistle, he first loved us. Your love of God is born of his love for you. That is true in the Bible, and it's also true in life. As infants, we do not love, we need. We need food, we need changing, we need sleep, we need. But as those needs are met by one who loves us, we learn love. We love because he first loved us. That's the heart of the gospel. Um, We love in response to all of that. (laughs) So love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength because he loves you. Indeed, as Zephaniah says, and this is a remarkable thing, he exalts over you with singing. Imagine that. I had a prayer time once and I had this, um, it was a particularly rough moment in my, my life. And, and in, I was doing an imaginative prayer exercise and I was on this, this, this pier that's in Burlington, Vermont where I was living. And, there were, there, and Jesus was at the end of the pier. And in, as I was doing that prayer exercise, Jesus turned around and saw me and I saw the delight in his face that he saw. It's like, oh, it's you. It's great to see you. This is exalting over you with singing. The biblical reality, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save, who will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt you over you with loud singing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, because the gospel is true. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says this also in John chapter 15, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I love you. That you love one another. Well, what does it mean to love one another? Well, I tell you, I know what it means, but I can tell you it is not always easy. um, Because we are not always all that lovable. And that's the truth. And Back in uh, sort of the 1990s, um, um, Minrith Meyer had this book called Love is a Choice. It was all the rage in the 1990s. Love is a choice, love is a choice, love is a choice, love is a choice. Because of course we realize that sometimes it's hard to have that emotive experience of love. So it's always a choice. You need to choose to love. And actually, that is true. We need to actually act with honor and respect, um, to respect people's dignity, even when they are hard to love. That is true, and some of us are truly hard to love. So love is a choice, an important one, especially when loving is difficult. But that's not all that the scriptures talk about loving your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) Love is more than just treating the difficult with respect. It is something larger. The Bible thinks it's something larger because God's love for us is fierce. There's a word in the Old Testament, it is jealous. There's fire in that. There's pathos in that. There's something that's real in that. Because our love for each other is not just choosing to love somebody. It's actually encountering people, entering into something different. In 2 Peter, um, he writes this. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfast, and listen carefully to where this goes, steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Note the progression from faith, virtue, and up at the top, brotherly affection and love. Loving our neighbors as ourselves actually includes sentiment, brotherly affection. Jesus is calling us to have brotherly affection towards others, even the ones that are hard to love. Actual brotherly affection. Loving our neighbor includes, certainly choosing, but loving our neighbor includes an affect, a love that has an emotive component to it. As ordained ministers of the gospel, you will need to love your neighbor and to love the church. And by church, I do not mean the amorphous aggregate of all the people together, the thing that is the church is like everybody together, like loving humankind. Um, No, the actual individual persons sitting in the pew. Not just choosing to treat them with respect and dignity, but actually developing affection for them, brotherly affection. We need genuine affection for them, for our brothers. We have to have that for our brothers and sisters. And affection matters. The agape matters. It is what binds us together. Paul says this in Colossians 3, put on then as God's holy ones, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another and, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also might forgive. By the way, developing affection also has a lot to do with forgiveness. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Jesus says, they will know you are my disciples because you love one another. That there's actual affection. We may have a question, well what do I do? (laughs) What if I do if I don't have affection for the church, for those individuals sitting in the pew? And true confessions, in my 30 years of ministry, that has happened a fair amount. Um, And I'm sure the people in the pews did not have affection for me either, so it goes two ways. Well, what do I do? Well, you love the Lord your God. You sit in the presence of your heavenly Father who loves you, and you ask him to grant you affection and love for the people of God. And that affection and love is the fruit of the love that is between you and him. If you cannot love, Jesus will be love in you. Transform your very hearts as you enter into that love relationship with God. What is the most important thing? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets and your ministry will you pray with me well lord god i ask that you would grant unto us that you remind us lord today of your gospel you remind us all not just wes and mike and greg but you remind us all that you are the father who loves us that sent your son to bring us home to you because you delight in seeing us, you delight in knowing us. Lord, I pray that as you have first loved us, that you would inflame our hearts with love for you. And from that, Lord, that you would produce the fruit, the love of our neighbors, the love of the church, the love of the lost, Lord, that you would produce that fruit in us, and particularly in these three, your servants, whom we lay hands on today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.